0: Are your customers the kind who politely come and go and sometimes leave you little hearts on social media? Or are they actually obsessed with what you do? The difference between an incredible brand and all the others is how they create fans. Welcome to the Brand to Fan Show, where we unpack the phenomenon of fandom and how to cultivate affinity, loyalty, and trust to build more fans so you can future-proof your business. Here's your host, Lauren Teague. Here on the Brand of Fan show, we are exploring the phenomenon of fandom. In the episodes thus far, we've explored how fandom impacts different sizes of businesses or industries, from sports and entertainment to nonprofits and agency. But there is a segment of industry and commerce for which loyalty and trust is cultivated and nurtured differently. This is the luxury market and that high-end lifestyle market they tend to approach all marketing and brand experience differently. So, to explore this particular segment of business, the world of luxury and high-end lifestyle brands, I'm calling on my friend, Neen James, to help us better understand this luxury fan mindset. Neen is an executive strategist to senior leadership in luxury and legacy brands. She's the author of Folding Time and Attention Pays, and she's a dynamic keynote speaker who brings Boundless energy every time. Welcome, Dean, to the Brand of hey fans. Show. Hey, thank you,
1: Gorgeous. Congratulations, this podcast, for doing so many amazing things. I love watching what you're doing in the world. Fans that you've created around your podcast, too.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we. Uh, I have to come up with a name for these fans. That's yeah, one thing do. that I realized, you know, the best communities are named. So uh, maybe in this, you have a brilliant mind. We come up with a name uh, either now or in the future, I will be sure to accredit it to you. Yes.
1: <laughs> I think that sounds like a glass of champagne needs to be had. We'll have a virtual, like a tele cocktail anyway. You make your own cocktail and I'll have champagne and we'll brainstorm.
0: I can bring the champagne. You know that I live here in Oregon. Yes, it's you a, do. It's a beautiful wine country and uh, I'm a proud member of and fan of some of my favorite wineries here. Um, and so I'm happy to meet you virtually or in person for a sparkling cocktail. <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> Well, Neen, those who know you identify your love for the finer things in life, specifically champagne and also stilettos. Tell me, how did you turn your fandom of luxury into your business?
1: You know, it's so fascinating because uh, those things were never deliberate. Like, I'm not that funny. So I always wore stilettos on stage. If they had red, red bottoms, even better, I... Champagne has always been my drink of choice and I've always been a brand brand. Like I've always loved certain things. And so what's fascinating about that was it wasn't intentional to be part of my brand strategy that people would reference, oh, you know, you, you have to have champagne or your shoes or whatever. People would literally remember when people would like tweet out photos of my shoes at a conference. It was nutso. So what's interesting is what people remember about you, right? So the energy of being You know, very energetic on stage, very interactive and being compared to like a glass of champagne. And so what was consistent in it was the things that I really love. Because I think when you are in a thought leadership space and you're doing something that you're really good at and that you really love, the audience wants to play with you. They can't help but also be intrigued by that. Then it became a deliberate strategy where I I always wore pink. So now it's on everything. All my is are pink. If you go to my website, you'll see the color palette. And even when we moved from the Folding Time branding to the Attention Pays branding, it got elevated because of a dear friend we both love, Michael Barber, who we know is an email marketing genius. Um, but Michael was the one who questioned me and he was like, well, does this really look and feel like the luxury that we all know of you? So just so people, who, when you're listening to this, I think that things evolved. So for me, yes, I've always loved and enjoyed the finer things in life. And the fact that they became part of the sort of clients I attracted, I started having conversations about them. And I think when you really love something or a particular brand and you gravitate towards that, we surround ourselves with people who inspire and motivate us. We surround our environment with things that bring us joy. And I love beauty every day. And so I just started to work with those brands. So Lauren, it's been an evolution, honey. It really has.
0: Well it's certainly been an evolution that's been fun to watch and you and I have known each other for maybe 6 or so years and so I'm relatively new to your fan base compared to some of the companies that you've worked with over time because you've worked with Viacom you've worked with MTV you've been in the in the tall shiny buildings and yep. um, you've been in the the conference rooms and as an executive advisor you're the one that goes in and really helps them build strategy towards building fans how right. does this Maybe not so declarative, um, this affinity versus attention kind of conversation, but how do how are people in those boardrooms thinking about building customers and turning them into not just like someone who's going to transact with you, but turning them into fans?
1: You know, it, and comfortable in two places I love the most. One is in a boardroom with a senior leadership team, as you know, and another is in a ballroom with thousands of people or even just the hundred, top 100 executives of the team or the, you know, the incentive trip where all the high producers have been brought together. What we'll talk about, we have this three-step process that we walk all of our clients through. And that is that when you think about luxury, I've always believed luxury was a mindset, Lauren, always. And so I went to audience audit. We know the fabulous Susan and the team there. And I remember saying to her, you know, luxury is a mindset. So can you just go out and, you know, find me some research on it? Just find something that says that I'm right. And she's like, mean, research doesn't work like that. But when she came back to me, she said, mean, here's what we discovered. It's not that luxury is a mindset, you're absolutely right. But there's not one luxury mindset, there's four. And I think what listeners have to think about is that we all look at luxury very, very differently. So when I'm working with executive teams, what we do is we help them go through this three-step process. The first is to assess the mindset of the luxury buyer that they want to work with or the luxury person they want to attract to their team. Remember, luxury means different things to different brands. The second thing we do is once we assess what mindsets they want to attract, we then start to do the second thing, which is align the messaging to attract the attention of that type of person that they want to have this affinity, this attention to create a fan base for. And then the third thing we do is activate a master plan. And all the marketers listening to this, you know exactly what that looks like. But the goal of this is not only to just to raise awareness for the brand and the offering, but it's to create advocates. And that's one of the things that comes out of this. And so what you'll find of the four archetypes of the luxury mindsets that we discovered, there are two, one in particular that really becomes a massive advocate for your brand. So when I'm consulting to the C-suite and to the CMOs and the teams that I'm helping build their strategy, what we're looking at is this three-step process And look, it just, you're like a luxury travel advisor, a business of one, you can still use this same process or whether you're one of these fortune 50 companies, right? So regardless of where you are in your own business, one thing to think about is we all see luxury very differently, Mm -hmm. but there are some commonalities and what we need to think about is how do we tap into the commonalities? For example, what the research uncovered is that all types, no matter which of the four archetypes. Every one of them sees luxury as a reward for hard work, which is really interesting to me. The second thing was that the most common thing we heard was luxury is about experiences, not things. So for those of you listening thinking, oh, luxury has to be expensive. No, no, no. It's not about expensive. Luxury is about experience. And so when you think about combining the the work you do, the products you have, the services you offer, the experience you're providing... Could you elevate to attract the kind of luxury mindset you're looking for? That's the question I would put out to people today, no matter what kind of business you're in.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I, that's has me kind of in a many, many, many different ways where we could go with this conversation. As you know, I'm, I'm so fascinated by what you mentioned earlier was it's not about just getting the attention. It's really building the advocacy, building the trust developing that. And so these four key mindsets of how we approach luxury, you know, Mm -hmm. is so different, but I, I love that there are some commonalities and it makes sense that we would think luxury is a reward for hard work. I mean, I understand that. I understand getting off stage and knowing that I killed, crushed an event. And then maybe Googling later, like gluten-free cupcake stand and trying to find, you know, it's, it's a small bit of luxury, but to find a dessert Thanks. that I can comfortably eat is actually yeah. a small piece of luxury. And if I can get a glass of champagne to go with it, I mean, even better. Oh, so plus Poor silver thing.
1: I think what we have to also think about, though, regardless of where you are on your journey, is that luxury does mean different things to different people. So if you look at the four archetypes, if we unpack those quickly, just for our listeners, so they know what we're talking about. Please
0: do. The,
1: the first what we call the reluctant and the removed so to this particular person I have a friend like this her name's Tammy and for Tammy luxury is hard and by that I mean she's so busy she feels guilty if she's spending money on this there's so many priorities luxury is just not a priority for her not that she won't buy it that's not the thing it's just for her it's not a high priority so luxury is hard so for the reluctant and removed some of you have these people as your clientele For them, you've got to be able to speak the luxury language that's important to them, which is about saving them time and making it easy for them, right? The second person that we look at as the appetite is what we call the pro-prioritizer. We have a friend like this, a mutual friend, Tamsin. The pro-prioritizer, to them, luxury is power. Not, oh my gosh, I'm going to conquer the world power, but luxury gives them more confidence. The pro is really about their profession. So this is a person who uses luxury to advance their career. They're very focused on mentoring others, giving back in their community, but they look at luxury brands as important to be authentic, long-lasting, quality, and they're looking for sustainability. They want to make sure that the brands they work with have environmental and societal impact. Now, if you look at our gorgeous friend Tamsin, who some of the listeners may know, she's always impeccably dressed in a gorgeous DVF. Yes. Diana Postenberg for our listeners who don't know the acronym. She loves her brand because it has all of those qualities. So for the pro prioritizer, when you're speaking the luxury language to them, you want to show them how your products and services or experiences are going to help advance them in their professional development and their personal development.
0: makes sense? T. Simpson was a guest on this podcast just a few episodes ago. And so oh, you not- I haven't
1: had it yet. I bet it's great. She's yes. literally, I think, maybe
0: maybe just one of the most smartest people that I know, seriously. And love, she, I also, well, as you said, has a love for the finer things. I've never talked so much fashion in one hour as I did <laughs> in that episode. So definitely if you haven't, where you want to go back and Big. think about this pro-prioritizer mindset, yes. re-listening to that episode with Tamson, with that in mind, I think really, really helpful for people who either yeah. haven't heard it yet or um, want to go back and listen. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry to no, interrupt me. Continue. No,
1: it's, it's not an interruption at all. It's an asset because the people listening to this may have this clientele around them. And this is really important because when you're speaking their luxury language, it's about giving them experiences that will also help them advance and expand that personal and professional development, as I mentioned. The third type is who we call the competent and content. And this is the person who, to them, luxury is like, I oh, got it. They are happy in their personal life. They are happy in their professional life. They don't need luxury. They're happy to spend on luxury. But for them, they're interested in creating experiences and memories. It's just not their highest priority to speak their luxury language what you want to think about is how whatever your product and service is going to do is going to help create more of those memories for them right that's something that's important and then we have the fourth type this is the luxury lover now when Susan did the readout for me from audience audit she was like need just gonna tell you this is hands down you now here, you need to know about the luxury lovers to so them, they think they are worth it. So luxury is all about not just them being worth it, but they love it so much. You can often tell because they're dripping in luxury something, right? They always love particular, like you've said, finer things, for example. But here's the other thing you'll notice. Luxury lovers are the ones who tell everyone they deserve luxury in their every day. These are the people you want to target if you're looking for brand advocates. These are the people, if you're looking to move into a segment that is going to be more luxury oriented, these are the people you want on board. And what for them, luxury is about unique, exclusive, behind the scenes. So you might be on luxury property listening to this, Well, what you might do is give them a back of house tour. They'll love it. That's really important. If you're a retailer, you might have a small jewelry store. You might open the doors maybe an hour or so earlier just for your luxury lovers so they can come in and preview your products before you open to the public. So think about with the luxury lover. For them, luxury says, I'm worth it, you all deserve it, let's make it every day and they are one of your strongest advocates. Now here's another thing to think about with the luxury lover. Once they decide on something, it's really hard to talk them out of it. So they make their decisions around luxury super, super quickly as opposed to The Reluctant and Remove, which can take on average about a month for purchases over $500. And so we have this all as research, obviously, that helps support all of these things. But if you're speaking the luxury language of the luxury lover, you're talking about exclusivity. You're talking about unique experiences. And that's the way to get their attention. All four archetypes. We have a luxury language dictionary that we share on how to speak their luxury language, what phrases will get their attention. And this is really important if you're creating messaging, if you're building collaterals, even your about us page on your website. You want to think about all the different tools you're using to create the kinds of conversations you want to have with the type of people you want to attract.
0: You're listening to Brand to Fan with Lauren Teague. More after this. Getting video from your phone into socials just isn't as easy as we'd like it to be. That's why I've started to use Pictory.ai. It's a powerful AI technology that allows you to create and edit and brand and share incredible videos that start either with the text of a copy that you have or video from your phone or out of Zoom. I use Pictory.ai to create all of the shareable social media videos for the brand fan show. I totally recommend that you try it out. And I've got a special link for you to do so. Go to slash make a video and create your first shareable video on pictory.ai. That link is Lauren.quick slash makeavideo. Now back to brand to fan. Here's Lauren Teague. When you do this process where you start with who a brand wants to attract mm-hmm. and they narrow in, do you think that it's important? To for luxury brands to also appeal to kind of that like a broader mainstream, like hey, we have our our one group that we're really trying to attract, but also, you know, kind of everybody else. We don't want to you know be so exclusive that we don't kind of reach out and pull some of those people along.
1: Yes, and here's what I would say about that: when you think about the decision to make the purchase, so when you are the person who's deciding. It's not always one single person. And so you've Mm -hmm. got to think about, you might have two husbands who are going to plan a luxury trip, right? And one husband is reluctant and removed and one husband is luxury lover. There's going to be disconnects. And so you have to be able to speak the language of both to help them reach a decision that your product or service is one that they want to invest in. So what I would say is, you all know, if you're listening to this in marketing, we call it all kinds of different things. Personas, avatars, archetypes, whatever it is, right? But you also have to appreciate your own team are these luxury side archetypes. So the people who are selling and providing services are going to communicate from the luxury language. They know. So we have to have an awareness of who we are as a brand, of who we serve as a client and who we are as a team, because we need to also be fluent in other luxury languages. And this is something that's been really helpful for the clientele that I work with. So yeah, you might, you might be going a hundred percent after the luxury level. You might be going really hard into the pro prioritizer. By the way, they're your two biggest advocates. However, they are also in relationships and they have boards and decisions and committees that make decisions around your purchases that may not all be that tight. So you can message for what you want, but you have to also message for what you have. And I can guarantee everyone listening to this, probably as a fall, and they might want <laughs> to attract one or two.
0: Does that make sense to you, Lauren? Oh, it makes, it makes total sense. And it's, you know, I often do the work with clients on decision journey and unpacking mm-hmm. that, but understanding, you know, which part of the audience and getting really keen into what their goal is, what they perceive their problem to be and who they trust to make that decision. And so if who they trust to make that decision mm-hmm. for me, maybe being, I, if I had to kind of put myself into one of these, I'd either be confident or a prioritizer. But I if I'm going to make a decision on, hey, I do want to take a fabulous trip, um, I'm going to come to someone like, well, I am going to come to you, Neen, because you know of all the fabulousness. So yes. I'm going to go to my luxury lover as a trusted advisor. Yeah, And so that becomes, you know, almost messaging to the the people who are your advocates, those who are most likely to tell the stories and helping them craft stories and messaging to get their friends who may not speak that same luxury language and tell that story in a way that that is relates to them.
1: And also build on that because that's a brilliant observation on your part. Not only would you also reach out to say a luxury lover, but understand that the luxury lovers and the pro-prioritizers are the major influences of the reluctant and removed and the confident and content. Mm -hmm. For those two. The other thing that we studied in the research was who influences the luxury purchase and what influences luxury purchase. 59% of the, the people that we surveyed, and by the way, they were all leaders. They'd all purchased luxury in the last 12 months. They all said, and they said, 59% of them said their spouse influenced the actual purchasing decision. Interesting. Well, we asked them uh, about what else influenced their decision. 56% of them said previous experience with the brand. So that was interesting for those of you listening, thinking what kind of relationships am I creating with my friend. Uh 53% said the brand's reputation. Interesting. Only 15% said a celebrity or an influence. Hmm. And what this does for marketers who have gone really hard into influence marketing, for example, That really surprised me. And so I think what we have to think about is the way that we market and communicate and liaise with our clientele now is different than it was even three or four years ago, right? Because the world went on fire and we looked differently at things. By the way, the luxury market, you couldn't buy a private jet or a yacht all through COVID. And like now it is that market is just that luxury yachts are just getting back in now now to the point where they can handle the demand and the luxury like the private jets they're now just getting to a point where there's more availability i know champagne problems right but just so people understand and even the way people market if you look at ferrari for example um ferrari have a very interesting strategy because say for example i wanted to buy the latest ferrari that's on the market obviously there's a multiple year wait but unless i have a purchasing history of purchasing new Ferraris on a frequent basis, I don't get invited to participate in the purchase of that Ferrari. So to your question, Lauren, about going really hard in on one particular kind, some brands are using that very, very deliberately for the exclusivity of having access to an invitation to purchase.
0: And that in turn makes those customers, those advocates feel even more special. It creates more stories that they can tell And it creates more of that behind the scene content, that exclusive content that they may be willing to create to tell stories about the brand that kind of open the door for other people to say, I want that.
1: Yeah, look at the way people do brand launches now. I mean, it is so different compared to years gone by when they might have a very exclusive, invitation only, very small event, but they know that the people in the room are the luxury lovers, they are the proprietors who will tell others. And so what brands are getting more clever at is understanding who is influencing and who has the attention of the kinds of buyers that they want to work with. And think about it even in the simplest sense. Um, if you look at affinity marketing, which I know is your specialty, look at a beautiful brand like Wallaroo for example. Now, this, this is a hat that I wear. Yes, I am an ambassador because they're inspired by Australia. Of course, I have to be an ambassador. But what they're brilliant at doing is allowing their brand ambassadors to tell the story. So they're, they're traveling all over the world. They're doing all these cool things. So that's what they share on social. It's a genius example of a brand who genuinely cares about the planet. They care. all the hats at SBN. They're all packable for the lifestyle. We all want to travel. We, we don't want to carry the bulky out on the plane. <laughs> They've thought about it and it's all through their messaging. It's very, very clever. Not super expensive. Approachable, affordable, but just a very authentic brand.
0: Well, we live in this age of, you know, obviously social media, which we've been living through for what, like, fifteen years now. But it really has accelerated the um, desire for and the fulfillment of instant gratification. Mm-hmm. And it's also, in my mind, accelerated how quickly fandom happens. Natural, mm-hmm. you know, which used to be a very kind of community-based natural process, you know, whether it was your, your family, your, your friends, community, your sports team, community, your local groups, you know, that's kind of how we, we assimilated and and found what, what we became fans of. Now we can do this very quickly in, by scrolling Instagram or scrolling TikTok or watching YouTube videos. So with this instant gratification, is there a way that these luxury lifestyle brands can really maintain a, a strong authentic connection with our customers to cultivate mm-hmm. a more long-term loyalty? There's two people that come to mind when you when you use the word authentic. If I think about
1: um Peloton, whether you love it or hate it as a brand, I was one of the original Peloton users and I still sure. have it. But I, I came across um, it's where I first met Jennifer Jacobs or JJ for short and J Method is her Instagram handle. What was interesting about JJ versus all the other instructors within the community was. She was so focused on her community. She DM'd people. She was give shout outs. She, allowed, she would catch up with people afterwards. She'd take all the photos. And so she did a really good job while she was a Peloton of creating community where people, if she announced she was going to support a product, everyone bought it. When she had her own line of product, everyone bought it. She then moved across to a, a competitor, Beachbody, and the community exploded because she became a super trainer. But she has stayed 100% true. She manages her social. She does lives. She's always doing videos, behind-the-scenes stories. She's a genuine, I mean, I obviously she's a friend too, so I'm, you know, a little, maybe a little biased. But what I've noticed is how she has used social media to make other people really aware of how they take care of themselves and prioritize themselves. So she's stayed authentic and people have supported her rise because they've been on the journey with her all these years. Another person that comes to mind, if I look at a blog, there's a blog out there called The Well-Dressed Life, run by Megan Cristal. It started with like, I don't know, 100 people. And she showed up every day, blogged every day. And it's focused on women over 40 and it's lifestyle, it's clothing, it's skincare. And she didn't do sponsor posts. She was like, I love this brand. I hate this. This is why you would this would be helpful for you. What's been fascinating watching her evolution is, Every day she shows up in her voice. And just more recently, she's done sponsored posts and she'll say, this is sponsored by Gap and here's why I like this, but I don't like this. And here's why I love this. And so what's interesting is Megan has tens of thousands of people who are part of her newsletter list on her Facebook group. And they all support each other because she's held true to her own principles, which you can do in an instant gratification, but she's also realistic. And she's like, Ladies, I am one person here running this whole thing. So I think the more we use our authentic voice, when you get people to see, like sometimes a sneak peek behind the curtain, that's really viable for people. So you can stay authentic, but you also have to be available. And that's the challenge we have in this, this exclusive social media. Everyone wants their piece of you, kind of environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Those are two great... Examples of you know, and obviously female-led brands or female-led mm-hmm. um, superstars online who becoming staying available, but in an authentic way not not saying yeah. I'm going to give you everything of mine. I have to hold some of it for me. Sure, uh, is is so important. I think for founders and for entrepreneurs and and anyone who's growing a brand. What tips, Neen, do you give to smaller luxury lifestyle brands who are maybe just getting started? You know, a a founder, an entrepreneur, an up-and-coming jewelry company or something like that, who are looking to build this um, strong and loyal customer base from the ground up, are they the same or do you have specific tips for them?
1: Yeah, a couple of things I would say. Number one, you really need to know who you're for and that you're going to really love working with that person. Because if you're in the founding stages, you're going to be working ridiculous hours. You're going to be doing everything yourself potentially. So you're going to love that person so much that you want to show up for them consistently, right? And so that's, I think the second thing would be consistency. And consistency means how often you're willing to show up, how when you're going to talk to them. And consistency is communications with the type of clientele you want to attract. But it's also consistency of collaterals. It's consistency of message. And so what you want to think about is, do your colors represent like what it is that you're trying to attract? Does your language attract the kind of person that you want? The consistency to me is so important because it's everything. It's that if you give a business card, I love, I still love business cards, even though everyone it has is, like, yeah. digital ones. Um, and if you look at my website, my water bottle, my, uh, my business card, my note cards, it's consistency, right? So you want to think through how do you want to show up for the kind of clientele that you will show up for always and then how consistent will you do it? The next thing that I would suggest is if you think about those four archetypes that I shared with you, and we can make this available to everyone. The research will be available. Lauren will put it in the show notes on how you can get it. But then sure. think about of those four, Maybe which two would be really cool for you to play with, and then think about what can you do that's not only consistent, that not is only you showing up, but what can you do that's uniquely you? Because if you want to stand out in a very crowded environment, and it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in, there's someone else out there doing it. What is something that is uniquely you now? I always say getting gorgeous. It's every email, it's every audience, it's just everything. And what's hilarious is when my clients meet, they're like, oh, so you just call me gorgeous. But it's <laughs> right. And then so what you want to think about is I'm obviously Australia and you can tell that by my voice. I am older than five. I promise when you're listening to this. But one of the things to think about is there's something about you that's really unique. Like look at Jay. We we both love Jay. He's done some amazing things in his career. But what's been fascinating is watching Jay has constantly iterated himself and his brand, his books every, you know, 18 months, two years. But then more recently, if you look what he's done with Tequila Jay, taken something that he loves and is obviously an expert in. And yet has, you know, his videos and all of his social media posts on this are so popular. He's the go-to. <laughs> guy when it comes to tequila. Now, one thing just to think about is that's 100% change. As long as I've known him, which is a long time, he's always loved tequila. Yes. So what you want to think about, no matter how small you are, is what is it that you really love and who do you love doing it with? Can you be consistent, whatever that looks like to you? And then what's unique about you in a way that you can show up? Because that's how you get attention.
0: You're listening to Brand to Fan with Lauren Teague. More after this. As you're out in the world listening to the Brand of Fan show, look up and start to count the number of team hats, t-shirts, pullovers, and jerseys you see. Once you start to see them, sports logos and team colors are seemingly everywhere. Well, this is exactly why I decided to build FanWagon, the web's re-commerce marketplace for buying, discovering, and reselling your sports fan wear, be it vintage or just last season's jersey. Fanwagon aims to serve both buyers and sellers at the intersection of sustainability and fandom and create a personalized and easy experience for second fan fashion. I'd love for you to go check it out today at fanwagn.com. That's fanwagon.com. I'll see you there. Now back to Brand to Fan. Here's Lauren Teague. If you uh, aren't familiar with Jay Baer, go back to episode one of the podcast. Obviously, he was the very first episode. He's the godfather of my career, uh, especially over the last 10 years or so. Um, And he was uh, kind enough to kick off the whole brand fan show with us in talking about building fans organically from the ground up, but taking something that is a passion and a hobby and turning it into part of his Mm -hmm. personal brand really, really great takeaways there. That was a I, great episode. Yeah. Indeed.
1: I love I love his research on time and how that affects the client decision and the versions and thoughts about you. So yeah, definitely one to go and listen to.
0: Yeah. When you're talking about being uniquely you, I go back to developing this podcast and this show. And I went round and round and round with a designer who I love. She's done work on FanWagon. She's She knows me well and that we couldn't get to the right spot with the podcast art. We couldn't get to the right thing. And I knew that this podcast is the essence of the big idea I've had across my entire career. It is is the thing that I've bet on multiple times and continue to succeed with. I just haven't really necessarily told anybody about it, except for maybe now in 2023. So when I wanted to think about how to package this show in a way that was authentically me and uniquely me, I went and pushed some boundaries that five, 10 years ago, I maybe wouldn't have been comfortable pushing. And when I talked to Ann Handley a few episodes ago, we talked about that, about having the confidence to find your voice. It's not actually finding your voice. It's just having the confidence to put your voice out there. And so I went with kind of this hair toss photo and I went with big swirls and like insane like Lacroix can colors, but you know what when I see it on Instagram, when I'm making the show graphics, when I see it show up on Spotify or on my Apple podcast page, I see me, and now I can see that you know other people this is how I want to show up, and this is probably honestly how even you and and our friends have have seen me all along, and I just never really kind of took off the corporate packaging from my early days cool. of the PGA tour or, or, you know, kind of the consultant cloak yeah. and, and allowed myself to, to do that. So what, you know, what is something that you might ask about being uniquely you? Like, how do you kind of uncover that for your clients?
1: There's two things that I would say. I want to come back to that. But one thing I want to just build on that you said, and I'll promise I'll answer that for you, is that you also have to know who you're not for. So I said, know who you love showing up for all the time. Like know that person so well that you are willing to stay up late and do the travel and all the things, right? You got to know who you're not for. I am so clear on who I am not for. And the moment I get asked to speak in certain time slots or certain industries or for certain brands, I'm like, I'm not your girl, but let me recommend five other people who would be brilliant for you. So that's one thing I would say is, Know who you're not for, so your confident voice comes out even stronger because every time you say yes to the people you are for, you get that feeling you do with your artwork. When it comes to finding out about what is uniquely you, be very curious because if you were to ask the people that you love in your life, the people you respect, the people who, who are like your people, ask them, just say, hey, if you were to describe me like, Five words, what would you say? And look for consistency. Ask people what they think. Look at the emails you get. What are the testimonials people write? What are the comments that they post on social? Be so curious and look at it with that real sense of awe and wonder. What are people saying? As if you were doing a product audit and an audit on yourself, right? Because what comes up consistently What was really funny for me was people would all talk about the champagne and they talk about the shoes and pink and all those things, which is cute. That's packaging, of course. And by the way, love all of those things. What I, and that's great. That's fine. But what I was really interested in was people would say things like, you can change the state of a room as soon as you walk in, as soon as you step on stage, you get the whole audience to play with you. You are so smart. You're so like wicked smart, which is lovely. That's like my favorite. <laughs> but what was interesting was they would say you come in your stilettos and your pink dress, and then all of a sudden you're teaching us something within two minutes and we're like, oh my gosh, right? So what I think people need to think about is if you want to find out what's uniquely you, start being a Brilliant observer. Listen to what people say. Ask people you trust and start to reread the descriptions. If you're introduced by a friend at a party, what kind of words do they use? If you're in a team and your boss is connecting you to someone else, what do they say? Because instantly you're gonna get an insight into the brand that is out there about you. And then you get a choice. Is that the brand you want in the world? Or do you want to enhance your brand? Because that brands evolve, individuals evolve. So what's really uniquely you now, like Lauren, your time in PGA, that was a part of your history, which has been integral about knowing and watching the fans and how you can create that experience for them. But watching your evolution in your own thought leadership journey is so fun. So when people are listening to this today, they might be on a completely different journey in two years when they listen to this podcast again, because brands evolve and fans evolved but
0: we get to choose the story that we tell. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm just going to bow to the brilliance of uh, Neen James here. Your, your way of repackaging things is such a gift. Your way of kind of cutting through clutter and identifying the key points of pulling out the research, pulling out the questions that, um, that you really want to go answer for your clients is is so fun and it's, it's just a huge gift. I've had such a pleasure um, with you on the podcast today. And I have so much. I was, I was kind of thinking through, like, how am I going to summarize this? I have no idea, but I'm going to ask you a couple more questions that we ask everybody on The Brand of Fan Show. And I'm going to come back at the end and try to summarize our episode um, in my own kind of mean uh, brilliance. I'll, I'll take some inspiration from you. Neen, on The Brand of Fan Show, we ask every guest two questions. The first one is, and you've talked about a lot of brands and things that you um, that you love. But if I ask you, what are you a fan of today in your work or the products or the the partners that you work with? What are you most a fan of? One
1: that immediately comes to mind would be Virtuoso Travel because it's a luxury travel network that does an exceptional job of equipping their travel advisors and owners and managers with brilliant tools, education, conference experiences. They're so selective about the business partners that they bring on board. And so I feel like they have done a phenomenal job and they have such a strong brand. And until recently, at the time of recording, they didn't have a consumer campaign. Now they have hashtag so virtuoso so in beautiful ads. But what I've loved is watching the vision of the senior leadership team embedded all the way through in everything that they touch. The experience that a virtuous travel advisor has being part of that brand is so powerful. So that's a brand that I'm really loving watching and being part of their journey.
0: How fun. And I know you do so much speaking and advising for them. I see the posts every year mm-hmm. about the conference in Las Vegas and, and the funds that you pull in for that um such an incredible group and certainly one that's been on my radar thanks to the storytelling that you are doing the second thing and i don't know because admittedly mean i don't know that you're the biggest american sports fan in the world mm-hmm. but i did see you on facebook with a picture of a hat uh you were wearing a red hat so i'm asking. i'm wondering and you can use the hat but the other question we ask uh because the, the this podcast is Sponsored or supported by Fanwagon, my e commerce marketplace where fans go and uh, buy and swap and sell their favorite fan gear to pass it on to a new fan. What is there a piece of fan wear in your closet that you absolutely love? The hat you told me wear—it's pretty special. I'll tell you why. Lauren's right. I am clueless
1: on American sport. How Emma? uh i moved from the east coast to tampa florida and one of my clients generously gave me the most amazing tickets including like money to spend at this game it was uh, with the buccaneers it was tom brady's last game of this particular season and what was amazing for me cool what's about the sport by the way was watching the fans they knew the songs they knew that they knew the whole experience so it's red which is not a color I would normally wear but what was so fun was the entire experience for the whole family is what I loved about it so it's kind of a little hard for me to choose a particular item but I've got to tell you that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done a phenomenal job of of getting the whole city water and dam no matter how old you are and it was really a privilege to be
0: can I ask you one more question? I usually don't rewind back into the conversation, but that response made me realize I miss thinking about kind of the luxury experiences and the luxury versions of what sports and entertainment have done. Because sports has been, it's, it's fairly accessible to everyone, whether you want to watch a high school game, a college nope. game, a professional game, or watch it on TV. Yet there are certain sports properties that have leveled up. The mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby, for one, Wimbledon, in in certain boxes, right? The Masters Tournament. What separates kind of those high end tournaments, experiences, events that you know almost anyone can buy a ticket to, but it feels like a general patrons' experience and an exclusive luxury experience are so different at the same event. Can you speak to kind of a hundred percent how all that works? Yes. So think about the pain points of let's take age for
1: vomit. People have to line up, they have to line up to get in, they have to line up to go to the bathroom, they have to line up for food, right? They have to line up to get to their seat. Now imagine taking away the pain. So the tickets I was gifted by this very generous client was a private entrance to go in, a club level where I could see the entire field with beautiful clean bathrooms, With very there was no lines for the food that was in this particular part of that stadium. So when you think about what you're offering, whether it is sporting or whether it is music or whatever it is, think about the pain points that people have and how do you remove those pain points. Even the simplicity of a lanyard that gives you exclusive access behind the scenes or a bracelet like so many concerts and things do. And so what you want to think about is maybe it's providing service or a parking pass for certain clientele. So they park really close to the stadium versus having to walk miles and miles. Maybe they get dropped off right in front and they get picked up. So think about all of the different ways. And that's what I think sporting arenas have done well. That's what I think even sports teams have done. I'm sure you're probably at some point going to get Jesse from the Savannah Bernardins on the show. And he has done the best case study of creating a approachable family yet luxury experience using a baseball team that literally do TikTok dances in the middle of a game. I mean, it's amazing to watch. So I think if you are listening to this and you're thinking, how do I elevate so that the luxury person is more attracted? eliminate the pain points. And remember all that research I shared about behind the scenes, exclusive access, They're the types of things you want to think, how do I build that into my offering? If you're that small jewelry store, you said Lauren earlier today, that's starting out, maybe you just create a group for like 25 fabulous people in your area that you want to work with and you invite them in for champagne and you show them products before they're even released out into the wider market. That's a beautiful opportunity. Those 20 people then share that with other people now because everyone tells everything on social. And so that's an easy way to do it. You can elevate in so many ways. I'm always thinking, how do I elevate this for my client? Whether it's the pink postage I send, whether it is the Tiffany gifts that I send, whatever it is, how do I elevate things for people?
0: You mentioned Jesse Cole, and I do want to have Jesse on the podcast and his wife to talk about what they've done for Savannah Bananas, because not only have they eliminated common pain points, but they've done it in a way that makes things still accessible. It is luxury <laughs> But on a level that is accessible and they think right. that is such a different yeah. differentiator and becomes, you know, they're they're able to speak to a whole mainstream, you know, audience and, and bring them in and allow them to experience this. Isn't like getting to go to F one and sitting, you know, and getting kind of the the driver tour on the track beforehand, right? Which that is, is- very fun. That is fun. It's it's also reserved for about 10 people, right? And so but, but but anyone can go to a bananas game and, and experience mm-hmm. banana land. You can watch the documentary series on ESPN and, and and get a sense of that and a taste of that. And and they're building a very cool fan culture um there in Savannah. And so certainly Jesse is on my guest list, my dream guest list. Jesse, if you happen to come across this podcast, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely make that happen. But I think to
1: to your point that what people can do is also watch how brands are aligning. Like if you look at F1, I, you know I'm an F1 fan. So if you look at F1 and the way that they package things in different F1 trips with other brands, there's always the paddock club. And yes, you can do the walk around and things like that. But for example, in Monaco, they partner with some exclusive yachts. So you can watch the sh- you can actually watch the race on the back of the yacht. Or you can be helicoptered into the middle of the trip so you don't have to actually park. I mean, there's so many... Different ways brands are getting clever about appearing. And once I said, like I said, elevating the experience in a way, eliminate the pain point. That's going to be a great place to start.
0: Well, thank you so much, Neen, for being on the Brand of Fan Show. I could continue to have this conversation um, over and over and over again. So I don't be surprised if I give you another ring and we have you back on. Your luxury mindset research is is incredible. It's the first of its kind. It's the only mm-hmm. of its kind. Yes, uh, And you dropped so much knowledge here for us on the Brand of Fan Show. And, uh, and our fans are have to be more than grateful for that. I'm going to try to summarize what we talked about today in the TLDR version for people who maybe skipped kind of back here to the back, which you shouldn't have. You should listen to the whole thing. Um, think- but here's a little bit of what we talked about and some of the things that stood out to me. mean, you mentioned that luxury is a reward for hard work in the mindsets of, of everyone, no matter which of the four archetypes we fall into. And the key takeaway for me there was that luxury is truly in our minds about experiences and not things. Mm-hmm. So when you're working with executives and in boardrooms of luxury and lifestyle brands and legacy brands, you're working through a three-step process that anyone can use. And that process is to assess the mindset of the buyer that they are trying to attract making sure that messaging is aligned to attract attention, but it doesn't stop there, which is my favorite. You also have to activate a master plan that goes beyond getting the attention and builds advocates, which is essentially the through line of the Brand fan show and what we believe here. You also mentioned, Neen, that when marketers do this process, they also have to examine not only who they're trying to attract and those archetypes, but who's on the team and their own, because there are actual luxury languages for all four archetypes. And you're most likely to speak, obviously, your own luxury language. So you have to be conscious of, of how your team is talking so that you can best relate and craft messages that are authentic uh, to the, the people you're trying to reach. And then lastly, what you just said about developing a luxury experience is all about actually removing pain points that someone who goes through the general process might have. And you can do that by being clever and building an exclusive access or different offer- offerings that are authentically provided, yet also give an elevated experience. And that's how to tap into that luxury mindset. No matter which of the four archetypes your audience falls into, no matter which like brand on the scale of startup to up and coming to legacy brands can do. We can all learn from you and your research on the legacy or the luxury mindset. We're on your submarine, honey. You should just come on the road with me. I would I would be happy to. If I could be your warm-up act, Neen, uh, I would drop many other things and uh and come on the road. I would be all on the up. Up. So well, thank you so much, Neen James. It has been such a pleasure. Uh and where can our listeners um find you, connect with you, and get their own copy of your research? Fortunately, there's only one Neen James. So if you
1: Google me, you'll find me N-E-E-N-J-M-E-S, which will be in the show notes. Uh, Post my inventors on Instagram every day, or you can reach out on LinkedIn. But the luxury research is on our
0: website, neanjames.com. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of the Brand to Fan Show, the podcast that unpacks the phenomenon of fandom. I am Lauren T., your host, and she is Mean James. And like she said, if you want to get the research or find anywhere to connect with Neen, get all the insider information, it's on brandtofan.show, where we put all the show notes for this and every episode. If you are now a fan of Neen, like I am, please go rate this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and also share it with someone who might also enjoy this. This has been the Brand to Fan Show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Brand to Fan Show. I'm your host, Lauren Teague, marketing speaker, strategist, and the founder of FanWagon. You know, it means a lot to me to spend this time with you. So if you like what you're hearing, I'd love if you could drop me a note at brandtofan at or message me on Instagram where I'm also teegfc. If these brand to fan conversations resonate with you and you'd like to share this message with your audience, go to LaurenTeague.com to find out how I guide businesses and associations to stop chasing shiny objects and instead build for lasting affinity. The Brand to Fan Show is produced by Teague FC and supported by FanWagon. Audio production is done by Brian Griggs and video editing done by Garrett Teague. Our producers are Kimberly Voorhees, Ashley Ruiz, and Carrie Hillbush. You can catch up on past episodes and guests and access bonus content by visiting brandtofan.show.